0: This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I am excited. I am joined by Andrew Martineau. Andrew is the co-founder of Zero Empty Spaces. I'm excited for everyone to learn what Zero Empty Spaces does. He has been in the advertising and marketing industry for 25 years, and part of that was marketing in the retail real estate industry. Very excited to learn more about Zero Empty Spaces. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Andrew, tell us
1: about you, what you do, and what the Zero Empty Spaces is all about. Sure. So, my name is Andrew Martineau. I've been in the shopping center retail space for about five years. But well, prior to that, I was in the advertising marketing world for about 24 years, working for a host of uh, local and multinational agencies in a range of verticals everywhere from upscale real estate and resorts to entertainment venues. And uh, I've kind of always had a consulting business um, throughout all of that. And uh, while at uh, the shopping center space, I was able to kind of like create marketing strategies for local shopping centers to drive traffic and, and also minimize vacancies, which I think you know a lot of uh, shopping centers have had over the years. I mean, just kind of like the nature of the business, obviously it's accelerated quite a bit over the last couple of years and obviously a whole lot more um, since kind of COVID's kind of come around. And uh, after I left Westfield in uh, the end of 2016, I got into uh, really very much into the art, art space, um, primarily here in South Florida, primarily in Brad County and Fort Lauderdale, where um, I created um, Artful Fort Lauderdale along with my partner Evan Snow, um, which is a four day art fair that's hosted in luxury waterfront homes on the intercoastal. People get there by water taxi and we partner with entities like Sotheby's and the homes are for sale and the art is for sale. And through that time, we actually met a lot of artists over the last four years that were looking for affordable artist space to work in. And they really couldn't find any, um, not just here locally, but nationally and across the world, really. And uh, so with that and and with all the vacancies, you know, we were able to see kind of as we go around town, we kind of figured like, hey, is there a way to kind of combine these vacancies and then turn them into affordable artist studio spaces for artists to be able to work. So we reached out to our mayor here in Fort Lardale, kind of pitched the idea to him. At the time, my, my partner didn't really think it was something that somebody would go for, um, but the mayor introduced us actually to the owner of uh, Las Olas Company, which has uh, a, a plethora of, of spaces on Las Olas Boulevard, which is our, kind of our main kind of retail space in our downtown. And uh, he actually gave us our first space. It was a former um, art gallery that we then turned into an affordable artist studio. We'll we'll talk
0: about that story later. Yes. uh, On that. But so let me unpack this a little bit. You were in marketing advertising. You got into marketing and advertising for retail shopping centers. You worked for Westfield. And then you decided you got into the art world, which I'll be quite candid. I know nothing about the art world (laughs) and you, then you were, you know, intrigued by the art world. You created a, an event. What was the event called? It's called Art Fort Lauderdale. Art Fort Lauderdale. And this was an event at luxury homes that you got there by water taxi and the art and the home was for sale. You connected with all these artists and realized they had nowhere to show their art. And, so, and work. And work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when you say and work, them to actually just paint.
1: Yeah. So, you know, a lot of artists are already painting just out of their house. I mean, for the most part, I mean, it's really difficult to find an affordable artist studio at a, at a reasonable cost. I mean, artists aren't really like selling at a incredible clip, you know, so... For them, you know, finding affordable artist studio space is really important because, you know, again, they're really just kind of operating out of a bedroom in their home or their living room So it's not the most convenient space to be able to work.
0: And so, so the
1: how does the how many locations do you have now? Uh, we just signed our eleventh location here in South Florida.
0: Wow! So you have eleven locations. So what are these
1: locations? Let's talk about these locations. Sure. So the locations are in a range of different types of commercial real estate um, kind of areas. So a lot of uh, street-level retail, a lot of retail at lifestyle centers. Uh, We have retail at like mixed-use centers. Um, So I would say everywhere from Las Olas Boulevard, we have another location at Boca Center. Um, We just picked up a location at Gulfstream Park. Um, so we're going next to William Sonoma. So we're just really in in a range of different types of, um, commercial real estate spaces, but the majority of them are street level retail and in lifestyle centers. So, so,
0: but what, what it, tell me about the business. So that's the type of product you don't own the real estate. How do you make
1: money? So, so the way this works is we enter into a zero rent, uh, lease with these landlord property owners on a month to month basis. We provide them a certificate of liability, so we, we take a whole liability for the space, and we pay all the utilities in the space. We entered into the same agreement with the artists or tenants of the space as well. So all the tenants are on month-to-month, we're on month-to-month, and we assume all the liabilities and pay all the utilities. So no real cost for the landlord for us to activate the space, but then we're able to then activate the space and drive traffic to the space um, in a long with providing affordable artist studio spaces, we rent them to the artists at two dollars per square foot, inclusive of all the utilities. But the artist isn't renting, like say, a three thousand square foot space. They're renting a space that we've broken up into either two hundred or three hundred square foot spaces. So we then divide these spaces up into much smaller spaces. So for an artist, they're not paying two dollars per square foot by three thousand. They might be paying two dollars per square foot by three hundred. So for them, you know, it's 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 a minimal investment the only cost that they pay for utilities and their space is that $2 per square foot. And uh, we make, you know, a little bit of margin off of that. You know, our business model is really based on number of spaces that we have. Uh, We right now have about, you know, probably about 60 working artists, tenants, in all of our spaces. But for the landlord and, you know, our first locations were probably like the, the, the best examples of that is we went into a space that was probably vacant for about a year. We were in there for about four months. We get a lot of uh, attention and traction to the space because we host grand opening events. We probably get between 300 and about 1,000 people at our grand openings of our all events. And so it drives a lot, a lot of attention to a space that was formerly vacant. So we had several people come into the space, really like the energy, really like the ability to be able to go into the space seven days a week um, between the hours of 12 and 5, which is our public hours. But the space is open twenty four hours to the artist. and some of these people have asked us, "Hey, can you give us a landlord's number? We're really interested in the space." So we've actually been giving the landlord referrals of people interested in perm leases. Unfortunately for us, we have to move out once the landlord gets a perm lease, which is what happened in our first Las Olas space. So hold on, yeah, yeah, tell us that. I got. I will. We'll. <laughs> we'll. We'll get
0: back to that. I want to save that whole sure. entire story. Sure. Um. So,
1: how big are these spaces? They range anywhere from 800 square feet to 6,500 square feet currently. And
0: are you spending money in turning them into, so you can divide up these spaces? What's it cost you to do that?
1: Um, It ranges just really based on the type of space that we get. So, some spaces already have divisions. So, some spaces already have offices. Or divide up into cubicles. Um, some spaces are completely raw. So then it really all depends on the configuration of space at the time. So, to give you an example, we have one location, which is our largest location. It's 6,500 square feet, but it was a former spa. The spa already had like 18 rooms. So, we had 18 spaces to essentially rent for artists. They're all like, you know, their massage rooms and all the different rooms. And then we were able to actually turn those rooms into those artist studios. So very minimal build-out. We just needed to add extra lights. But then we have other spaces that are completely raw, raw concrete, raw walls. Some of them don't have any lights at all. So we come in, we do the floors, paint the walls, bring in lights, some spaces that, that they have been abandoned or, or closed for a long time. So we bring this space up to code. So it it really all depends on the type of space that we get. Obviously the best spaces are the ones that are already kind of divided up a little bit, but um, our main um, spend on building out is really on building those dividers and then really adding lights or painting the walls or that kind of stuff. And
0: the artists, they, they, you have 60 working okay. artists. Are you constantly, is that, is that a big thing for you? Are you constantly trying to figure out how to get more artists?
1: No. Um, you know, believe it or not, there is a wealth of artists and a wealth of property is interested in, in the concept. We have an application process. So basically artists apply to, to be part of the program and we essentially kind of like go through a list. So we have um, sort of questions that we ask the artists like, hey, what, what, what locations are you interested in? So sometimes you might have artists that apply and their maybe our only location might be, say, in downtown Fort Lauderdale, but they may live in Hollandale. And so they may take a space in downtown Fort Lauderdale, but it's month to month but now we just opened up a space in Hollandale. So they might say, Hey, after my next month, I want to move to my, to the other space that you have in Hollandale, that's really close to my house. So we really have constantly a bunch of artists reaching out. A lot of them, they may not even have a location really close to their property or their house where they live. And they're just kind of like waiting for those kind of locations to potentially open so that then they could potentially get into these affordable artist studio spaces.
0: What's the most expensive piece of art that's been sold in one of these spaces?
1: Um, I would say probably about 2500 bucks okay. is probably the price point probably the most expensive one that's sold so far but the space are primarily for creating the work and that's kind of how we pitch it to the artist It's not specifically an art gallery or a space just for them to sell it's for really they, they can sell they can they can retail the product in the space correct so and, and the idea behind that is that like, you know if you have your space set up as just a gallery just a sell it's not really doing a lot for the property or the landlord in terms of activation you know because you're in you, you might you may or may not be in the space we have a mandatory requirement that the like at least one artist needs to be in a space between the hours of 12 and 5 so the landlord can get the the opportunity to really leverage this space being activated during the same time the other tenants in his locations are open so now you don't really have a dark little space in between one one location to another and how many artists are in average in one of your spaces it really ranges from the size but i would say right now it's anywhere between five to twenty artists okay okay so we use and their average
0: monthly rent they're paying you a few hundred dollars at two bucks a foot they're paying you four or five hundred dollars a month Correct. And okay. So, and, and there's like five artists in there. So you, th- this is a volume game, as you said, cause you're going to get, you know, you're going to get two, 3000 a month on the space. You're in the, you're in the, uh, you're in the volume game here. Absolutely. You have 11. <clears throat> What's the grandiose vision? How many locations?
1: Um, well, the plan is to go, to go, uh, national. Uh, which which we we're about to, to do, obviously, COVID's kind of like put put a little bit of a halt on a lot of our expansion outside of the state. But our plan is really to basically go into every city and every state and actually have uh, multiple um, artist studio spaces, pretty much across the country. We've gotten outreach from London High Street. We've gotten outreach from areas in Canada. Um, what a lot of it is is we've gotten a lot of uh, spaces through either local mayors, local city commissioners really wanted to increase the walkability in their neighborhoods and really looking at some of the vacancies that, you know, are kind of like uh, minimizing that walkability. Some of the locations we're getting through the PR firms that represent the property owners looking for interesting content to drive traffic and attention to their locations. And then some property owners that are in mixed use kind of developments are kind of looking at it as a way to kind of develop the community that they would like to help support the vibe in that area or that residence does there the have other?
0: to be you know most retailers have their you know kind of the the prototype market for them right it's a, it's the average household income it's the demographics it's the ethnicity the household the education and and a bunch of stats it does the art culture matter like no it doesn't it does it doesn't you're not looking um, at you're not looking at like is this really
1: like an art community no I mean believe it or not that that that's a really interesting discovery right I mean every community is kind of an art community believe it or not um, we're getting artists that are maybe in their sixties that have never had an art studio before a very very accomplished artist been painting out of their second bedroom for a number of years and their husband sees an article that's maybe, you know, they heard on the radio on NPR or heard in a local newspaper and are calling us and saying, hey, you know, I'd love to have my wife come take a space because maybe for the last 20, 30 years, there was a whole bedroom that was all dedicated to their, to their wife's you know, art. And now for the first time, they're able to actually come out of, the, come out of their house and actually go into an art studio space and really expand their, their kind of reach and their exposure as an artist.
0: Okay. And the interesting had no idea. Yeah. That's an interesting discovery. So Andrew, I'm a landlord. Yes. I want to activate spaces. You've had to come across the landlord who's like, I'm going to rent this to you for free. Yes. Like how, like that's a pretty, it's a, pretty tall order in a world where people are cash strapped right to, to rent space for free notwithstanding you know some landlords may have the vision where I rent this for free and it turns into something later you come from the the mall world where temporary leasing is what is more prevalent than in in you know open air retail specialty leasing is not as prevalent in open air retail as it is in the mall world, but even in the mall world, the specialty leasing, those are valuable spaces on a monthly basis, right? Most of them are not free. Heck, even though In the, the old mall world, they were renting the space to the, you know, someone to just put up a little stand and advertise. Mm-hmm. And, and so how are you getting, what's your, what's the real for lack of a better word elevator pitch to me as a landlord to say i should lease it to you for free and oh by the way i'm gonna make money off your space even though you're getting nothing
1: sure um well you know as 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 you know you know a lot of a lot of landlords hire a broker right and the broker puts their sign on the space And when they put the sign in the space, they hope that somebody drives by and sees their sign and then gives them a call. And then they coordinate a time to then come see the space. And you know, you're driving down the street and you're, you've gotten to your house and your house lives an hour away, but then you're trying to coordinate with the broker to come see the space. With our concept, there's a sign. It's a zero empty spaces sign, but the space is open. You can walk through, you can check it out. You can see it active. You can see a bunch of different things there with the artists working on the space. And this is seven days a week. So there's no broker fee. You know, we don't, when we get when we get people that come in and say, Hey, listen, I'm interested in a permanent lease in the space. Can you give me a landlord's number? We give them the landlord's number, the landlord signs a permanent lease. We have 30 days to vacate. We return the space back to the condition that we received it. The landlord gets a perm lease, doesn't pay anything, doesn't pay a broker. And so no broker fees, we do a considerable amount of advertising and marketing. So our concept has been covered by NPR. It's been covered by every local newspaper in every market that we've been to. So it's actually provided a lot of attention to spaces when, that are usually empty and vacant.
0: When, and when you're talking about the, the advertising for permanent space, people sure. walking in, are you talking about it that it might be one of the artists or some random person off the street?
1: It's, it's, it's always people off the street. So the people off the street are attracted by the activation. I mean, you know, when you walk into a space that was maybe a former bank. So we have some space that are former banks. And now the space has eight working artists in there and you see artists working on canvas and painting and drawing. And you're in this space now and you're like, what's this? Because it's a very attractive concept. And keep it in mind too, a lot of these spaces have between five and 20 artists that all have active social media platforms that are all reaching out to people, telling them, "Hey, I got this new artist studio space. Come check it out." We're also in, you know, lifestyle centers or in street-level retail areas where there is walk-up traffic. And so, for I'll, I'll give you one one example. We went to go see a location in the Lantana area uh, this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to check it out of the space. The space has been vacant for a very long time. The the tenant next door sees us coming out of the space and says, Hey man, like, uh, what what are you guys, what are you guys doing? Are you guys uh, moving in? You know, we really would like to have a tenant next to us to kind of help us out with our location. And that's what really happens too, is that like when you do have a dark spot next to your spot, it affects the traffic and sales of your location. So it is providing a value to the tenant next door. And for some of our other locations, we're doing kind of cross collabs. So, we have one location in Palm Beach Gardens. There's a large Ethan Allen store in that in that plaza. We're doing kind of uh kind of relationships with the Ethan Allen, where like say an interior designer comes in and you're uh, buying furniture for your house. Now the interior designer has the option to say, hey, you know, do you want commissioned artwork? Uh, down the street, there's a affordable artist studio spaces there with 20 working artists. You can kind of like pick what kind of style you like. And you can actually customize your artwork for that location. So, you know, there's a bunch of different ways that, you know, we've worked with these property owners. So the value from a marketing PR promotion standpoint, where you're not necessarily having to pay a marketing person or an advertising person or running ads, where we're doing a lot of the advertising promotion, we're doing a lot of the marketing. We have another another location where this past weekend, a new restaurant opened up. And the restaurant actually reached out to us to see if we could kind of reach out to our database of people to come out and check out the studios and also check out his new restaurant.
0: Yeah, that, that, I, I can see that. I, I, I think one of the things that as you scale, I think would be a challenge and we'll see is how does the landlord, you know, look their other tenants in the eye and say, Hey, I need to charge you 30, $40 a foot. To pay my mortgage, but this tenant over here, they get it for free.
1: Well, this tenant over here is actually driving the traffic for the center. I mean, you know, okay. we, we drive a considerable amount of traffic and activity. So, and, and and I would say, like in the last two weeks, and, and me and my partner laugh a little bit about this, but we've gotten editorial in print and otherwise um, coverage of locations individual artists on tv we probably had about five or six a week you in know a, in, a, in a week i'm talking about like actual magazines actual newspapers actual tv um you know yeah, there's value
0: local. there's value in that there's no it's doubt there's value. value in that i'm not i'm not disputing that there's value in yeah. that the the how do you if you start to go to other markets and scale, how do you get the artists? How do you get in touch with the artist in Dallas?
1: Sure. So, I mean, our, um, our art fair has been a considerable piece in, in that kind of uh, conversation because the art fair has, you know, garnered quite a bit of attention based on the uniqueness of it. You know, we're in these, like, luxury waterfront homes that range from about $2 million to $50 million to fifteen million dollars They're about 5,000 to 20,000 square feet. Um, We partner up with obviously I mentioned like, you know, high-end brokers. And so that's really garnered a lot of attention because there's not really any other art fair in the world that has that type of model. And so with that, we've actually been able to attract a lot of artists from everywhere really interested in being part of this art fair. And so we've tapped into that market and that database of artists that we outreach to for the fair and I've heard about the fair as artists for these locations as we expand. And we also have artists that have heard about it that don't have a zero empty space in their market and say, hey, you know, would you come to LA? Would you come to San Francisco? Would you come to New York? And so we're having artists actually reach out to us saying, hey, would you open a space here? And then as locations open up in these areas and communities, we then say, okay, great, we're now in Chicago, we're now in Reno, we're now in Charlotte. And then we then reach out to that database of artists and then kind of onboard them. So if I were to unpack it,
0: the some of the if I were to give like tell me if I'm way off. Mm-hmm. So feel free. The 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 three big selling points to a landlord are mm-hmm. one, you're their free broker. Yep. Two you generate traffic, yep. activate an empty space, and you create a lot of marketing, advertising, promotional buzz to the property. Are those like three good pillars?
1: Right on board, I'm gonna take you
0: around to every meeting. All right, <laughs> got it, okay, all right, interesting. Uh, I think nowadays we need innovative things and that is, uh, that is interesting. Um, Really, 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 really cool uh, and innovative. So uh, even a step above WeWork-ish or co-working because they pay the landlords and you figured out a little mousetrap not to. Nonetheless, your margins are tight, so you need to be in the volume game. I I see that. Uh, Okay, so the first location was in Fort Lauderdale. Correct. Let's pivot to the story. Tell me how this evolved, your first location, how you, how you got it done. Walk me through, bring me,
1: bring me there. Um, well, actually, the first location was probably the easiest location, believe it or not. I mean, the, the mayor of Fort Lauderdale has been a big supporter of the arts. Um, he's been to a lot of our um, art fairs every year. He comes through, um, you know, we've been in the art space for, for a minute. So he, he was aware of the things that we do locally in, in his community.
0: And, and so, well, as, as getting into real estate side, the real estate side, mm-hmm. <clears throat> why was the first thing you did call the mayor?
1: Um, well, because, you know, And when you're you- from the
0: landlord side. So I'm, um, you, you, you've played, you've worked for a landlord, right? <laughs> sure. You would think that the first thing would be start reaching out to some landlords, but for
1: you, it was called the mayor. Why yeah. was that? Why was that what you did? Well um, the, so initially when we started this concept, our initial hope was that we were going to get some rundown warehouses. We're going to get, you know, areas in the community that weren't really built up, you know, maybe absentee landlords that were just sitting on a property. Um, There were a lot of like, whether it's homeless coming to the area and, and just kind of like really messing up walkability pretty much throughout the, the community. And so the mayor really has like a, a, a real, you know, aerial view of kind of what his community looks like, what areas in your community have uh, vacancies, what areas in your community that you want to be more active. So that was that was for us what, why we went to him on, on the first first level to be able to get, okay, well, do you know of any areas that you would like to see activated? And um, uh, Lasolas, you know, has been going through a... a, a a shift like like a lot of lot of retails a lot of retail districts, and you know there were a couple of vacancies there, and he thought, well, hey, well, why don't you reach out to the owner of Las Olas company, and see if uh, he'd be interested in in this this concept? So we did, and and now there's a little bit of backstory there. I created the so the, the mayor on
0: a pri- oh, real quick before you get into the backstory yeah. the mayor on the on his, in his private world, he owns personally real estate or was this
1: owned by the city of Fort Lauderdale? No, no. This is just, you know, if, if I'm a landlord or a property owner, I mean, you know, you pay your taxes and you have relationships with the city commission and the mayor of the city usually knows who these developers, property owners are. So he's like, he's like a great resource to figure out, okay, well, okay. There's this area here who owns that. Okay. Well, this guy owns that. So, you know, in terms of trying to figure out the lay of the land and the ownership of, of local areas, developments, properties, um, going to the city hall or city commission, or if you do have a relationship with the mayor, easiest way to figure it out. Got it, okay, now makes sense. Yeah. So, you so he, connect, mayor. he connected us with the Las Solas company owner. Um, I had um, created the branding and logo design, all that stuff for Las Solas many, many years ago. So I did have a relationship with Las Solas prior. And it took probably about a five-minute conversation with the the owner of Las Olas Company. We walked the the boulevard. He showed us a couple locations that were available. And then we signed a lease with him. We moved into the first location. And we probably had about 800 people come out for our grand opening event, that the mayor came and did a ribbon cut. We had city commissioners there. We had artists. We had other people in the community. It was probably the most... Uh, most attended grand opening event of any location on Las Olas. Keep it in mind that now you have 800 people coming out for a grand opening of an affordable artist studio space who are all going to either eat or drink before or eat or drink after our little event. So it really created a ton of buzz in the community based on the novelty of the concept. And, you know, and I think just in your curiosity of why would a landlord do it and a landlord does this, and drive so much attention to his location that you have local NPR stations, you have the local newspaper, now talking about his location and this really innovative platform that's open seven days a week, um, when you're thinking outside of that, what's the story for the area? Where are you gonna get your angle to be able to drive the attention to your location? And so this actually all comes as part and parcel of what we do when we come in with your empty spaces We're really big and robust, um, really daily promotion of that location because we're very, very active in the social media space. So we're constantly promoting, we're constantly doing podcasts of interviews with artists in that space. The artist is doing their locations and then that's kind of like going off into other tangents where there's constant promotion of that location, not just through us, but through all the artists that are in the space as well. And... So,
0: you you meet with the mayor, which I do think was a creative idea, uh, because I don't think most business owners who are opening their first location, their first their first thought is to meet with the, the mayor mayor, city commissioner. So it's clever. the first thing
1: they should do because <laughs> that can
0: that connected you with the the right people sure. in the community. Clever. And then the conversation with the landlord, because it was chronic vacancy, was pretty simple. Mm-hmm. And then what did that location cost you to
1: start up? Um, so we, we actually got the dividers. So We actually got used dividers from a local arts um, organization that was actually bringing in new ones. So we utilized their old dividers that they were throwing out we got a big U-Haul filled it up with all these dividers and put those dividers into the space we had to bring in some some lights because they had some old track lighting we got to bring in new track lighting um, but I would say all in all it may have cost us probably about like three three grand three five hundred bucks you guys, to get you, going. guys are,
0: you guys are scrappy okay yeah, that's man. pretty good I love it yeah. I love it that's some grit okay and so you and then you had the artist locked up to do this when
1: um so the artists for that first space they probably got that space fully leased uh probably about seven days after we opened so and i'll kind of walk you through a little bit how, how that process works is so basically we have a database of artists i reach out to obviously the art fair has been really popular we also have a, an entity called Choose 954, which is really meant to highlight um, culture and community in Broward County. And we have a database of about 15,000 people that are all hyper local that we reach out to on a, on a weekly basis through a newsletter, through a website. Um, so when you combine our Choose 954 reach and our, our Fallado auto reach, and we also produce full on Design Week, which is a whole week of arts and culture in, in the city, Uh, we have quite a, a bit of artists that we talk to and we have relationships with. So when we let them know that we have these affordable artist studio spaces that are at $2 a square foot, which really doesn't really exist in many places, the places that are closest to our price point are nonprofit locations that have a really strict judging criteria to get artists in. So you really have a limited amount of artists that are in a lot of these nonprofits that do create or do have affordable artist studio spaces. And so once we put it out there, these artists then sign up on our website. We go through a list of artists. We do it on a first come first serve basis. And then we host what we call like an open house. So we usually do it on a Saturday at two o'clock. We tell everybody we, they must be there to All these artists come to the space at two o'clock. We give them a run through of the program. We, we kind of explain how it works. And probably by Monday, uh, at least half of the locations are already leased. And probably in the next seven days, the rest of the locations are, are leased as well. And they sign a lease with you? Correct. So the artists, so I'm, I'm, I sublease the space to the artists who will be my tenants. And so they sign a, a lease for me on a month-to-month basis at $2 per square foot. Um, they pay a security deposit. And uh, that's kind of how we, we move on with it.
0: And so this first location, you got 800 people to show up day one. How many people show up on a Tuesday?
1: Um, it's a constant flow of of people because of the, the, you know, the interest in what is this person doing? I've, most people have never really seen an artist working. And so yeah. now you have these spaces that have artists creating, you know, amazing pieces, some very, very large, some small, some in watercolor, some in oils. Uh, you have young people, old people. Um, so the diversity of artists is really large as well. You know, We have some people that are, are you know, born in Europe. We have some people, we have some artists that spend six months here in our space. They leave, they go to Europe, and then they come back and, and they go to whatever space we have available at the time. So there's so much flexibility for artists not just artists that are permanent residents here, but artists that are also here for part of the year, um, being able to come into the space for that period of time and then go back to wherever they're from um, for another period of time and then come back and forth. So um, really a, a real cross-section of people that are in our spaces, again, working seven days a week between the hours of 12 and 5, really creating a lot of activity. And of course, through that, we have open open houses where You know, we kind of promote um, the opportunity for people to come to the space where we do a a lot of outreach on our own and through our database saying, Hey, we have an open house this Saturday and we do like timed visits. So we have people go sign up and go sign up between the hours of, say, noon and one to be able to come visit the space or one and two so that we have some timed visits for open house events to attract traffic.
0: And you, Got it. That's very interesting. And the, you mentioned before your first location, so you're no longer a tenant in that location.
1: No. So we, so, what uh, happened? so somebody, well, we had a lot of people that came in. Who we're really interested in the space, got really excited to space, see the space activated. So the lights are on, there's people working. So the space takes on a whole new kind of uh, personality Mentions, has a whole yeah. new set of energy because now you don't have a dark window. Now you have this really active space, a really robust space. And artists are really fun, creative people. You know what I mean? So you're getting in there, you get into conversation with these people, you're getting into conversation about their work. And so what's happened in that first location, uh, one of the guys said, Hey, can you give me the, the landlord's number? We gave him the landlord's number. He did a perm lease. We're out of, we're out of that space a month, a month later, three days to vacate. The landlord moved us into another space that was actually probably about twice as big, was vacant for about five years. We're in there for about four months, same situation. You know, bad for us, great for the landlord. Somebody came in and said, man, like this is great. Um, Can you give the landlord's number? Gave him the landlord's number, 30 days notice to vacate, landlord signs a perm deal and we're out. And so the artists get this, what space. were the two,
0: what were the, what did the spaces turn into after zero empty spaces was in there?
1: One, one was clothing and one was jewelry.
0: Wow. Yep. And what, what, what time period is this? Where are, when are we?
1: Um, we're in, we're in November, December of 2019. Oh, so last year. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting.
0: And the first space, how long were you in there before it was leased permanently?
1: Uh, we're in there for about three months.
0: Wow! So in ninety days, this the mm-hmm. landlord got another tenant. He moved you, mm-hmm. and you were in that one for four months. And he got another tenant,
1: and that space was vacant for five years.
0: Wow! Okay. Well, on that it note, works. that's a that's a great <laughs> that's a great note to end on. Really interesting. Uh, thank you so much, Andrew. We are going to now go to the last part of our show sure. called Retail Wisdom. Are you ready? Yes. I think so. All right, man. Three questions for you. Sure. One, what is your best piece of
1: retail advice? Uh, I'm sorry, what is your best piece of commercial real estate advice? Sorry. No, no, all all day. I mean, I think it relates to retail. I think it's like, you know, create a well-rounded merchandise mix. You know, when, when you do have a commercial real estate property, whether it's lifestyle center or shopping center, Um, a really well-rounded merchandise mix is really imperative to driving as much organic traffic to your locations as possible.
0: Got it. Okay. Um, question two. Yes. The, what extinct retailer do you
1: wish would come back from the dead? Uh, Toys R Us. So why Toys R Us, man? Toys R Us, iconic brand. I think, you know, everybody um, has kind of like been there at some point. Um, I think that, that kind of uh, concept of a large toy store still has a ton of legs. Um, I think Toys R Us didn't really evolve with the retail industry as quickly as they could have, and I think there's so many things you can do with a space that has a bunch of different toys in there for kids to go um, play with. Um, I think instead of it being really something where there's a bunch of different shelves that just have rows and rows of just items and toys and stuff like that, there's a lot of activation that you can do within that space to drive traffic and increase dwell time for kids, which is also another really key piece of advice for just retail. You know, if you can keep a customer in a space for an hour or two hours, I can guarantee you they will buy something. And so the key for a lot of these spaces is you're really getting up the experience in the space to be able to really increase that dwell time of that kid or that kid's parent so that you really kind of get them to leave with something. And um, I think Toys R Us and, and the whole toy store space still has so much to go and so far to go. And they had a really solid brand. And I still think they have a solid brand. If they were to come back, and really, kind of like tweak their business model a bit. I think to be an incredibly successful entity.
0: Very interesting. Last question. Yes. Up your up your alley, but not up your alley. You ready? Okay, sure. I have a uh, three-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. Okay. So, art in my house is coloring books and right. some other things, some crafts and here and stuff like that. But. Crafts are big in my house. Sure, uh, do a little paint here and there. See, but everybody's what, an artist. There you go. But what's, <laughs> what's really big are crayons, and so yeah. I am on Office Depot's website. Yes, what do they retail? It is on sale right now. The Crayola assorted pack of twenty-four crayons for. Um, I would say nine ninety-nine. So it's regularly $269 and it's on sale right now for 49 cents. I might actually oh, wow. buy some crayons. A box of there crayons for 24 crayons is 49 cents. Um, you could probably buy a couple boxes for that. <laughs> yeah, so not 999, but thank wow. you for playing. Thank uh, you. And thanks so much for coming on, Andrew. This is fantastic, man. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retail at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to retail retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.